Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911. My name is Jess Romero. This is Monday One Man Car. <clears throat> hey, just want to remind you that the month of March is dedicated to St. Joseph. The entire month falls during the liturgical season of Lent, which is represented by the liturgical color purple. That's a symbol of penance, mortification, and the sorrow of a contrite heart. <clears throat> hey, this Saturday, here in Phoenix, Arizona, St. Philip Neri Comedy Festival. That's this Saturday, March 11th, 2023. Going to have Catholic stand-up comedies, Im- Catholic improv stand-ups, vendors, and fun for the whole family. It's going to be at Vertucho Farms. It's in Mesa, Arizona. All ages are welcome. From 1 p.m. to 8 p.m., go to catholiccomedy.com, catholiccomedy.com for more information. So, you know, on Mondays, I've promised to talk about some aspect of the Catholic faith that that sets it apart from any other religion. Yeah, in the third and fourth segment, I'm going to be talking about the lay Catholic scientists, a list of lay Catholic scientists, which is exhausting, <clears throat> who have changed the world forever. So stay tuned, third and fourth segment. Uh, this is the uh, Amazing Reasons to be Catholic segment. will be the third and fourth segment. I'm going to be talking about a list of lay Catholic scientists who changed the world forever. Next time somebody tells you, oh, you Catholics don't believe in science. Once you hear the impressive list that I'm going to give you, the third and fourth segment, <clears throat> you'll be able to um, uh, quiet the naysayers from ever saying something that that absurd again, that Catholics don't believe in science. Heck, it was Catholics that invented science, and we've had the greatest scientists ever in the history of Western civilization. <clears throat> but let me just move on to today's topic. What I want to <clears throat> talk about today is there's an incredible president in El Salvador. I'm laughing as I'm reading this because the president of, of El Salvador, he is talk about no nonsense. He's not putting up with with uh, the woke culture over in El Salvador. This whole defund the police program, not in El Salvador, not at all. <clears throat> so the president of El Salvador, he explains why he had inmates destroy tombstones of gang members. <clears throat> the El Salvador, a Central American country, grip gang violence, is attempting to curb the crisis by stamping out symbols throughout the country associated with those gangs, specifically MS-13, what they call Mara Salvatrucha. They're just basically sons of Satan. So the El Salvadorian president, he's even going so far as to destroy tombstones bearing uh, gang graffiti of MS-13. His name is President Naib Bukele of El Salvador, He's got people criticizing him, obviously. He's a young guy, too. Young conservative. He responded to criticism last week in a video posted on social media that his administration was violating the human rights of deceased gang members by having prison inmates destroy their tombstones. President Bukele from El Salvador said this. First of all, quote, we're not prohibiting gang members from having graves. 
What we are prohibiting <clears throat> is for their tombstone to read MS-13 or 18th Street Gang. That's what President Bakuli stated. <clears throat> and the president went on to explain that this prohibition stems from a recently passed law. It's called the Gang Proscription Law that specifically bans those symbols within the country. The president, Bukele, said, quote, gang symbols are not allowed anywhere, not in graffiti, not at home, not on people's bodies, <laughs> and not on people's graves. You know, uh, he takes a hardline position. I have nothing but respect for this man. After a surge of violence in March 2002, President Bukele initiated an unprecedented anti-gang crackdown throughout the country of El Salvador, embarking on the largest strategy for ensnaring El Salvadorian gang members ever seen in Central America, according to International Crisis Group. President Bukele, his iron-fisted methods have made him highly popular with the El Salvadorian people with his approval ratings consistently hovering between 80 and 90 percent, according to uh, the study that was done. And since initiating his crackdown in El Salvador, which required the suspension of some constitutional rights, President Bukele's government has arrested, get this, more than 53,000 suspected gang members, putting two out of every 100 Salvadorians behind bars leading to the highest in incarceration rate in the world. Now, here's some related news, uh, re uh, related news here in the U.S. regarding this, um, this El Salvadorian street gang. The House Republicans are introducing legislation to designate MS-13 as a foreign terrorist organization. So I think between the House Republicans and President Bukele from El Salvador, we could squash this satanic organization and send them into the ash, be ash heap of history. But President Bukele, the iron-fisted El Salvadorian president that's got a 90% approval rating, he, uh, he talked a little bit about Nazi Germany. And here's what he said, quote, It wasn't just enough to arrest the, to arrest the Nazi leaders and kill them. They also had to erase all Nazi ideology from German society, close quote. So President Bukele explained that, that after World War II, the swastika was banned in that country to stamp out Nazism. It's a problem they had in Germany, so they banned it. And not just on paper, President Bukele explained, the Germans went on to destroy all Nazi symbols anywhere in the country, on public buildings, postage stamps, letters, stationery signs, flags, and vehicles. Anything and everything that had Nazi symbols had to be destroyed, including tombstones, according to President Bukele from El Salvador. And he says this is exactly what he's doing over here in, in El Salvador. Here in El Salvador, the president says, we never had a Nazi problem, but we have a gang problem. <clears throat> it's a similar issue. <clears throat> and uh, President Bukele explained that they are interwoven in Salvadorian society. They're everywhere, Bukele stated, even in the cemeteries. I don't know about you. I think this man is a brave man, and I think we need more presidents like him, more no-nonsense presidents like him.
and uh, you're not going to see any defund the police uh, propaganda over in El Salvador. Yeah, this guy's a no-nonsense president, and uh, this is exactly... He, you could tell he wants to make El Salvador great. That's exactly what he wants to do. And I will tell you <clears throat> that uh, the pr- there's thousands of tattooed inmates. You could you can see a picture on a B- the BBC.com news website. Thousands of tattooed inmates pictured in El Salvador's mega prison. So yeah, the first group of 2,000 suspected gang members in El Salvador have been moved to a huge new prison, the centerpiece of President Nayib Bukele's self-declared war on crime. Tens of thousands of suspected gangsters have been rounded up in the country under a state of emergency following a spike in murders and other violent crime. The jail will eventually hold more than 40,000 people, Pictures, sh- pictures show the first massive group of inmates tattooed and barefoot being led to the facility in shackles. They're making them do the perp walk. The prisoners are left sitting on the floor with their hands behind their, he- behind their shaven heads, <clears throat> stacked closely together before being taken to their jail cells. You, uh, President Bukele tweeted that the first 2,000 people were transferred at dawn in a single operation to the Center for the Confinement of Terrorism, which he says is the largest jail in the Americas, because that's exactly what there is. They're urban terrorists, and this president is treating them like terrorists, and Mexico has to do the same thing. Mexico has to do the same thing to the Mexican cartels. President Bukele said about these uh, gang member terrorists, he says, This will be their new house where they will live for decades, all mixed, unable to do any further harm to the population. You can see the pictures. You know, what pains me is all these young men, without a doubt, they're all baptized Catholics. And you could see all the tattoos on their heads, on their face, on their neck, on their body. It's meant to intimidate people, but you could also tell that they're sons of Satan. Without a doubt, these people have have switched jerseys. They're no longer part of Team Jesus. They've rejected their baptism. They're all sons of Satan. If you take a look at the picture, just go on the website, <clears throat> vmpr.org. You can click on the article that I'm using or my my website, jesseromero.com, and take a look at these thousands and thousands of gang members tattooed from the top of their head all the way to, to their ankles. And there's a lot of them are satanic tattoos. So these people have just completely rejected their Catholic faith. Thanks to this President Bukele, this, this could be a, an example for other presidents all over the country on how to deal with, with these urban gangs that are not really terrorists. That's what they are. They're terrorists. So this mega prison in Teculuca is 46 miles southeast of the capital, San Salvador, comprises eight buildings. Each has 32 cells of about 100 square meters to hold more than 100 prisoners, the, government sa- the governor says. The cells only have two sinks and two toilets each. Well, see how they like living like that. That's a precursor to hell. Hopefully some of them repent and come back to Jesus. We'll be right back talking about this great El Salvadorian president cleaning up his country big time. No nonsense. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency... 
Dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, O Lord, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Psalm 69, verse 2. That's the motto of the show. That's the flagship for the show. Psalm 69, verse 2. Lord, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Close quote. Psalm 69, verse 2. Remember that evil never rests. Uh, let us fight together until the end of our life, my fellow Catholics. Let us fight together. And that's exactly what's happening in El Salvador. That president is fighting for his people. The gang problem has gotten so bad in El Salvador that uh, this uh, president of uh, El Salvador, Bukele, he's essentially just called a state of, of emergency. And he, who can hardly blame him? Uh, you, you see... Uh, there's so many street gangs in El Salvador. It looks like it looks like a, 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 just an, an army of terrorists walking the streets. Well, not no more because they don't defund the police in that country. President Bukele has actually declared a war on gangs last March, passing emergency measures. He's not all talk. This guy's this guy walks the walk. He does what he says. And these emergency measures have been extended several times. The emergency powers have been controversial as they limit some constitutional rights, such as allowing the security forces to arrest suspects without a warrant. Well, when you see, when you see the army of gang members that they have in El Salvador, you'll see why, you'll see why uh, President Bukele has had to limit the constitutional rights. There's more than 64,000 suspects have been arrested in the anti-gang drive. 64 thousand suspects and authorities have said that criminal gangs such as ms-13 and, and uh, barrio 18 atrium street then they number in the tens of thousands and they're responsible for homicides extortion and drug trafficking so the aim of the mass arrest is to make gangs disappear altogether that's what the el salvadorian government says human rights organizations have argued that innocent people have been caught up in the policy and some of those held have have Report it being subjected to cruel, inhumane, or degrading treatment. But uh, President Bukele's anti-gang push remains popular with El Salvadorians, believe it or not. And uh, El Salvador, they deployed 10,000 troops in their gang crackdown. You can hardly blame them. That country's been a hotbed of violence for decades, and now we finally got a president who's hearing the voice of his people, the cry of his people, and a president who's saying, no more, not on my watch. Good on him. God bless you, uh, President Bukele. Let me just uh, <clears throat> mention just a couple things. Is Why is it that people... Let me talk about baptized Catholics, okay? Because this is what they are. They're all baptized Catholics over there. Why is it that baptized Catholics become gang members? Hmm... Let me do kind of a deep dive. Well, first of all, what contributes to the gang crisis here in Mexico, El Salvador? Well, sociologists, they state that family structure, teenage births, fatherless families, this contributes to the gang culture, the gang crisis. I remember, remember uh, it, it's well known that many Hispanics are falling away from the Catholic Church. While a significant number 
are being drawn into evangelical and other Protestant communities. Some Hispanics are abandoning religion completely. Indeed, there exists within Western culture a phenomenon that Pope John Paul II called the baptized non-believer. More and more Hispanics are falling into this category, baptized non-believers. In other words, they're Catholic by familial tradition and cultural association, but not by conviction. And, admittedly, since gang members have a poorly formed conscience and they don't live by the standard of what would Jesus do, <laughs> that's not even within the, the radar of thinking. If our conscience is not well formed, then we are more inclined to sin and evil. Period. Catholic tradition calls this inclination to evil concupiscence. In Latin, it's called fomus peccati. It entails three components. Number one, the pleasure of the senses. Number two, covetousness for earthly goods. Number three, self-assertion contrary to the dictates of reason. This describes a gang member. <laughs> gang members want pleasure of the senses. Girls, girls, money, money, power. Gang members want, number two, covetousness, covetousness of earthly goods. Money, power, girls. And number three, uh, self-assertion contrary to the dictates of reason. Yeah, gang members, they don't think with their reason and their intellect. They think with their passions, their emotions, and their disordered appetites. <clears throat> but you can't blame God for this. People say, oh, God made them like this. No, he didn't. St. James the Apostle says in chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 13 and 14, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Close quote. Now, there are two ways to think. And this goes for anybody, just not a gang member. You either think like a spiritual man, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, a spiritual man, or a carnal man, a man of the world, as it's described in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. Gang members are carnal men. They are men of the world. They have a poorly formed moral conscience. They're not enlightened by the word of God nor quickened in the spirit by life of prayer. Therefore, gang members given, given to their senseless, darkened mind, their reasoning becomes vain. As it says in Romans 1.21, their disordered appetites and inclinations for evil goes unchallenged. The gang member, to quote Pope John Paul II, is a baptized non-believer. <clears throat> which means they are ignorance of Christ and his gospel. Which means they are powerless against the threefold strategy of the devil, which is, number one, the lust of the flesh. Number two, the lust of the eyes. And number three, the pride of life. In other words, the gang member is in love with this fallen world, and since his conscience is not properly formed according to the word of God, the gang member becomes a moral relativist. So what is moral relativism? It is the view that ethical standards, morality, and, and positions of right or wrong are culturally based and therefore subject to a person's individual choice. We can all decide what is right for ourselves, you decide what's right for you, and I'll decide what's right for me. 
That's moral relativism. Moral relativism says it's true for me if I believe it. But it may not be true for you. In other words, there is no right and wrong. There is no good and evil. Moral relativists reject the Judeo-Christian eternal verities, that is, the moral law. For the moral relativists, truth and error, right and wrong, good and evil, are based on one's personal opinions, sentiments, or feelings. Paragraph 2087 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church tells us, Our moral life has its source in faith in God. Ignorance of God is the reason for all moral deviations. Close quote. The gang member who has never lived the Catholic faith or known the Catholic faith has never experienced the love of God nor a personal relationship with him. The gang member's lack of self-knowledge that he's a child of God destined for heaven and his lack of having a purpose-driven life based on following God's will in order to attain happiness thrust him into the darkness of moral relativism. A moral relativist is hedonistic, thoughtless, justifies evil behavior, and has a broken moral compass. A moral relativist lives by the following standards of Darwinian evolution. Moral relativists believe, number one, only the strong survive. Number two, survival of the fittest. Number three, kill or be killed. Number four, might makes right. Number five, win at all costs. Number six, look out for number one. Number seven, you only live once. Number eight, if it feels good, do it. Number nine, it's my way or the highway. Number 10, eat, drink, and be merry. Number 11, wine, women, and song. Number 12, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Again, why do these baptized Hispanic Catholics in Mexico, El Salvador, here in the Southwest, why do they gravitate towards the gang life? Now, let's not forget, Satan already has atheist, communist, agnostics, and people in false religions blind and confused. This is why Satan goes after baptized Catholics with a vengeance, precisely because they are baptized children of God and Satan wants to corrupt them. There's a parallel here. Remember, Satan, the worst of all demons, was a seraphim. He was once the greatest and most powerful of the angels that fell. And there's a Latin expression. A Latin, the, Latin, the Latin expression applies to Satan, and it also applies to Hispanic Catholics, where Our Lady Guadalupe visited Mexico. In Latin, the phrase goes, corruptio optima pessima, which means the corruption of the best becomes the very worst. The corruption of Hispanic Catholics, it makes them the worst. You're listening to <clears throat> Jesus 911. This is our Monday show. You know, when you look at the last 40, 50 years and you see violence, violent crime increasing, teen crime is skyrocketing, divorces rampant, drive-by shootings, gang killings, the one thread that ties all this insanity together is all the years, almost 50 years of decriminalized abortion. Because once you legalize the killing of the most innocent in our society, you have given license to the moral relativists to decide arbitrarily who should be killed and who should not. And many of the youth justify in their improper form conscience that if adults could kill their babies who are inconvenient and get away with it, then the youth could kill each other 
who are an inconvenience to them. For the gang member, the human person has become disposable just like a condom. My name is Jesse Romero. On the next segment, we're going to be taking a look at the list of lay Catholics who changed the world forever. As you well know, on Mondays, I try to take one or two segments, sometimes the entire show, talking about the greatness of Catholicism, what makes the Catholic faith so amazing in comparison to any other religion. Well, here's one of the things. The list of lay lay Catholic scientists that changed the world forever and their contributions to science is impressive. I dare say there is no other religion that has produced a cadre of so many incredible scientists like the Roman Catholic Church. In fact, most people don't realize it's the Roman Catholic Church that built the first universities and gave us the discipline of science. Stick around. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, God come to my assistance, Lord make haste to help me, Psalm 69 verse 2, the the flagship Bible verse for this show. Today's Psalm at Holy Mass, Lord do not deal with us according to our sins, Psalm 79 Remember not, remember not against us the iniquities of the past. May your compassion quickly come to us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God, our Savior, because of the glory of your name. Deliver us and pardon our sins for your name's sake. Let the prisoner's sign come before you. With your great power, free those doomed to death. Then we, your people, and the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. Through all generations, we will declare your praise. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. You have the words of everlasting life. Today's psalm reading. Let's talk about the great scientists that have have been given to us by the Catholic Church that have impacted Western civilization like like no other scientist or no other religions on planet Earth. These are all Roman Catholic scientists. These are... uh, they've made significant contributions to the development of science and mathematics from the Middle Ages to the very present. This is an impressive list. There is no other religion on planet Earth that has produced this cadre of of scientists like the Roman Catholic Church. Here they go. I'm going to try to get through all 200 of them. Maria Gaetana Agnesi, mathematician, who died in 1799, she was a mathematician who wrote on differential and integral calculus. Next, Georges Agricola, died in 1555. He's the father of mineralogy. Father of mineralogy. Then we have, next, Ulisse Aldrovandi, died in 1605. He's the father of natural history. Then we have Rudolf Ehlers, who died in 1963. 
He's an Austrian psychiatrist and the only Catholic member of Sigmund Freud's first group, later a critic of Freudian psychoanalysis. Next, we have Alloy Alzheimer, who died in 1915. He was credited with identifying the first published case of, of, the, of, of presenile dementia, which is known as Alzheimer's disease. Next, we have Andre Marie Imperi, died in 1836. He's one of the main discoverers of electromagnetism. Next, we have Leopold Auenbrugger, who died in 1809. He was the first to use percussion as a diagnostic technique in medicine. Next, we have Adrian Azout, died in 1691. He was an astronomer who contributed to the development of the telescopic micrometer. Then, we have Amedio Avogadro, died in 1856. He was an Italian scientist noted for contributions to molecular theory and Avogadro's law. Next, we have Francisco Ayala, died in 1934. He was a biologist and philosopher at the University of California in Irvine. Next, we have Jacques Babinet, died in, 17, uh, died in 1872, excuse me. He was a French physicist, mathematician, and astronomer who's best known for his contributions to optics. That is the field of glasses. Then we have Stephen M. Barr. Stephen Barr. Uh, died in 1953. He's a professor emeritus in the Department of Physics and Astronomy at the University of Delaware and a member of its Bartol Research Institute, founding president of the Society of Catholic Scientists. Wow. Then we have... We have... Joachim Barrande died in 1883. He's a French geologist and paleontologist who studied fossils from the lower Paleozoic rocks of Bohemia. Next, we have Laura Bassi. Laura Bassi died in 1778. She was a physicist at the University of Bologna and chair in experimental physics at the Bologna Institute of Sciences, the first woman to be offered a professorship at a European university. Next, you have Antoine Caesar Becquerel, died in 1878. He was the pioneer in the study of electric and, lumina- and luminescent phenomena. Next, you got Henry Becquerel died in 1908. He was, uh, this Catholic was awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics for his co-discovery of radioactivity. 
Next, you got Carlo Beenacre, died in 1960, professor at Leiden University and leader of the, of the university's mesoscopic physics group established in, 18, in 1992. Next, you have Giovanni Battista Belzoni, died in 1823, prolific Italian explorer and pioneer of archaeologists of Egyptian antiquities. Next, you have Pierre Joseph Van Beneden. He died in 1894. He's a Belgian zoologist and paleontologist who established one of the world's most, most the world's first marine laboratories and aquariums. Then you got Claude Bernard, who died in 1878. He's a physiologist who helped to apply scientific methodology to medicine. Then you have Jacques A. Philippe Marie Bonnet, died in 1856, mathematician known for Bonnet's formula and his contributions to number theory. Then you have Jean Baptiste Biot, died in 1862. This was a physicist who established the reality of meteorites and studied polarization of light. Then we have Evelyn Livingston Billings died in 2013. Australian pediatrician co-developed the Billings ovulation method with her husband, John Billings. John Billings died in 2007. Australian neurologist co-developed the Billings ovulation method with his wife, Evelyn Livingston Billings. Rest in peace. Then you have John Birmingham. He was an astronomer, died in 1884. He was an Irish astronomer who discovered the recurrent Nova T, Corona Borealis, and revised and extended Shelgelerup's catalog of red stars. Next we have Henry Marie Ducrote, died in 1850, was a zoologist and anonymist anatomist who coined the term paleontology and described several new species of reptiles. Then you have Giovanni Alphonse Borelli, died in 1679, often referred to as the father of modern biomechanics. Then you have Raoul Bote, died in 2005, he was a mathematician known for nu numerous basic con contributions to geometry in its broad sense. Then we have Marcella Bovary. She died in 1950. She was a biologist and first woman to graduate from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. Then you have Theodore Boveri died in 1915. First person to hypothesize the cellular processes that cause cancer. And you have Louis Braley died in 1852. He's the inventor of the Braley reading and writing system. Then you have Edward Branley died in 1882. 
died in 1940. Inventor and physicist known for his involvement in wireless tele telegraphy and his invention of the Branley Coherer. Then we have James Britton, died in 1924. He was a botanist, botanist, member of the Catholic Truth Society and Knight Commander of the Order of St. Gregory the Great. We have Herman Bruck, died in 2000, astronomer, royal for Scotland, honored by Pope John Paul II. Then we have Albert Brzezetsky, died in 1497, first to state that the moon, the the first person to state that the moon moves in an eclipse. Then we have Nicola Cabido. Nicola Cabido, Italian physicist, discoverer of the university of, of the universality of weak interactions. Also was the president of the Pontifical Academy of Sciences of Sciences from 1993 until his death. We have Alex Carell, awarded the Nobel Prize in Medicine for pioneering vascular suturing techniques. Jesus 911, we're talking about the great mathematicians, the, the great scientists, excuse me, that have changed the face of Western civilization. They're all Catholic. <laughs> Catholics seem to be the smartest men in the room when it comes to science. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. We're, we're going to keep uh, putting the spotlight of truth upon this culture of death. We will keep firing missiles of truth against the wall of lies. We're like a lighthouse amidst the gathering storm. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. What do we have to do as Catholics? Pray America Great Again. The flagship verse for this uh, pr program is Psalm 69, verse 2. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. That's the very definition of Jesus 911. We're talking about the smartest guys that uh, the world has ever produced, and they're Catholics. Why do I say that? <laughs> there is no religion that has ever produced the number of brainiac scientists like the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, the Catholic Church has literally, the, the, the minds of the Catholic giants, these, these scientific giants, has literally saturated the world of science. And the reason Catholic scientists are so smart is because they're men of faith and they know that all truth comes from God not only the truths of faith and religion, but also the truths of science. And so God purifies their intellect and purifies their thoughts and allows them to go deeper because they're truth seekers. And if you're a truth seeker, God will reveal to you things on a supernatural level and even on a natural level. So I'm giving you a list of the smartest guys in the room, Catholics, who are scientists throughout history who have made incredible breakthroughs like, uh, I mean, I'd like this. I'd, I'd like to see the list of Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or Baptist scientists. Uh, it, it would probably be a very small list. 
the list of scientists from other denominations who have made major breakthroughs in the field of science. I'm sure the list would be very, very small. But the list of Catholic scientists is big. Let me continue. John Casey, a mathematician, died in 1891. He was an Irish geometer known for Casey's theorem. What about Giovanni Domenico Cassini, died in 1712. He was the first to discover the four of Saturn's moons and the co-discoverer of the great spot on Jupiter. Next we have Augustine Louis Cauchy, uh, died in 1857. These are all Catholics, by the way. He was a mathematician who was an early pioneer in analysis. Then we have Andrea Cesalpino, died in 1603. She was a botanist who also theorized on the circulation of blood. Then we have Jean-Francois Champollion, died in 1832. She published the first translation of the Rosetta Stone. Then we have Michelle Chassels, died in 1880, was a mathematician who elaborated on the theory of modern projective geometry and was awarded the Copley Medal. Then we have Guy de Chaliac, died in 1368. He's the most eminent surgeon of the Middle Ages. Then we have Qin Zhen Chen, died in 1951. A Catholic Taiwanese epidemiologist. I always have a hard time saying it. Epidemiologist. Researching hepatitis B. Liver cancer risk of people with hepatitis B. Link of arsenic to Blackfoot disease. Then we have Michelle Eugene Chevreul. Died in 1889. Considered one of the major figures in the early development of organic chemistry. Stated, quote, Those who know me also know that born a Catholic, the son of Christian parents, I live and I mean to die a Catholic. Then we have Mateo Realdo Colombo, died in 1559, discovered the pulmonary circuit which paved the way for Harvey's discovery of circulation. Then we have Arthur Conway, died in 1950, remembered for his application of biquaternion algebra to the special theory of relativity. Then we have E.J. Conway, died in 1968, an Irish biochemist known for works pertaining to electrolyte, physiology, and analytical chemistry. (coughs) Then we have the next smart Catholic, Carl Ferdinand Corey, died in 1984, shared the 1947 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine with his wife for their discovery of the Corey cycle. Then we have Getty Corey, died in 1957, was a biochemist, who was the first American woman to win a Nobel Prize in science in 1947, and a Catholic. Then we have Gaspard Gustav Coriolis, died in 1843, formulated 
laws regarding rotating systems, which later became known as the Coriolis effect. Then we have Domenico Cotugno, died in 1822, Italian anatomist who discovered the nasopalatine nerve, demonstrated the existence of the labyrinthine fluid and formulated a theory of resonance in hearing among other important contributions. Then we have Angelique du Coudre, died in 1794, head midwife at the Hotel du Paris, inventor of the first life-size obstetrical mannequin and author of an early midwifery textbook commissioned by Louis XV to teach midwifery to rural women, she taught over 30,000 students over almost three decades. Then we have Maurice Coet. Maurice Coet died in 1943, best known for the contributions, for his contributions to rheology and the theory of fluid flow, appointed a knight of the order of St. Gregory the Great by Pope Pius XI in 1925. Then we have Charles Augustin de Colombe, died in 1806, physicist known for developing Colombe's law. Then we have Claude Cohen, died in 1974, co-discoverer of the neutrino. Then we have Jean Kruvelheyer, died in 1874, made important contributions to the study of the nervous system and was the first to describe the lesions associated with multiple sclerosis in originally planned to enter the priesthood. Then we have Andre Seisel, died in 2015, discovered that folic acid prevents or reduces the formation of more serious developmental disorders such as neural tube defects like spina bifida. Then we have Gabriel Auguste Dabry, 1896, pioneer in the application of experimental methods to the study of diverse geologic phenomena. What I'm doing, family, is I'm showing you 214 Catholic scientists who made major breakthroughs in the field of science. There is no other religion on planet Earth that has produced the scientific minds like the Roman Catholic Church. The Catholic mind, when it comes to science, is second to none. And I'm giving you, there's no religion that has the, the, the number of great scientific minds like the Roman Catholic Church. Every person I'm mentioning is a Catholic and a scientist and made major breakthroughs in the field of science. This is what the Catholic Church produces. It produces people who pursue the truth and find the truth and make major breakthroughs, even in the natural law. The next great Catholic mind, Peter, Peter Debbie, died in 1966. The scientist was awarded the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1936 for his contributions to our knowledge of molecular, molecular structure through his investigations on dipole moments and on the diffraction of x-rays and electrons in gases. Then we have Charles Enrique Dent, died in 1976, 
a British biochemist, Catholic, who defined new amino acid diseases such as various forms of Fanconi syndrome, heart and up disease, arginosinuric aciduria, and homocystinuria. Next, we have Caesar Despretz, died in 1863. He was a chemist and physicist who investigated latent heat, the elasticity of vapors, and compressibility of liquids, and the density of gases. And I'll just give you one more because I sense we're going to go on to a, uh, the show's going to be over. We have Johann Peter Gustave Lejeune de Richelet, died in 1859. This Catholic scientist and mathematician contributed to number theory and was one of the first to give the modern formal definition of a function. My name is Jesse Romero. That's a wrap. What have I been doing? I've been showing you that there is no other religion that produces the scientific minds like the Roman Catholic Church. And any fair historian will admit the Catholic contribution to the scientific revolution was pivotal for Western civilization. Once again, there is no other religion that has produced the, the, the scientific brainiacs like the Roman Catholic Church. I'll pick this up again next Monday. I'll continue this list of 214 Catholics who are scientists who made major breakthroughs in the field of science. Once again, when you look at what the church has done and given to people, you see that the Catholic church is second to none. Well, that's a wrap, my friends. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics, coming to you, the big guys coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. Also, remember this Saturday, St. Philip Neri Comedy Festival. It's this Saturday, March 11th, at the Vertusho Farms in Mesa, Arizona. For all you Phoenicians, all ages are welcome. If you want more information, go to catholiccomedy.com, catholiccomedy.com. It's from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. As for me, that's EOW. I'm in to watch. Remember, faith is what gets you started. Hope is what keeps you going. And love is what brings you all the way to the end. Know your faith. Live your faith. Spread your faith. Jesus Christ wants to bring the whole world into captivity to the truth. And the truth is Christ himself, who is the way, the truth, and the life. That's a wrap, family. We'll see you next week. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith. Up next, you'll hear more from Gary Machuda. You don't want to miss what's coming up. High-level apologetics. See you next time.